Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and today we will be talking about car seats, how to pick out a car seat, how to install a car seat, and car seat safety. My guest today is Jennifer Saxton. Jennifer received her BS in math at Duke University and then her MBA from Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management and has been a certified child passenger safety technician since 2009. Jen is the founder and CEO of Tots Squad, a mobile baby gear service. Tot Squad has raised over $2 million with its juggernaut aspirations to transform the baby world. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Okay. How did I remember way earlier on when you were getting started and you were somehow everywhere? I thought there were like <laughs> 10 of you. How did you get started and interested in this uh, business? Um, well, it's really funny because I don't have any children. Uh, so most people uh, assume that I got into this business because I had a baby who was dirty or had trouble installing a car seat myself. Uh, and that's not the case. I actually wrote the business plan while I was getting my MBA and had talked to a lot of different millennial moms. Uh, I'm the oldest year of millennials. So I just saw millennials are really obsessed with work-life balance. And I thought, as this generation starts to have children, there's going to be so many opportunities to help save those millennial moms time or frustration. Uh, so I had a spreadsheet with 50 ideas and this idea that car seats are really hard to install. In fact, as many as 90% of car seats are incorrectly used or installed. And a leading cause of death for kids under 14 is car accidents. In fact, a recent study even showed that 50% of children who die in car accidents were not properly restrained. So I realized there's a really big issue here and no great solution, and I got to work. That You realized all of that while you were studying for your MBA? Oh, yeah. I mean, you have access to great you know, data and studies and professors and alumni who kind of help you uh, sort through writing the business plan. And, and it was great because after I graduated, I, I won the business plan competition, and I raised a little bit of starter funds from friends and family and then uh, just went out and executed on the plan I had written in school. It's amazing that you were able to think outside yourself and outside <laughs> your circle. But it's true. Like when you go to a baby expo and you meet all these different brand innovators, uh, all of them, for the most part, they have a story about how they got to X, Y, and Z point and nobody had this particular product or service available. It's amazing for you to be able to think straight business and say, oh, there's a need. 
I think I can fill that need. Yeah. Well, it doesn't hurt that I also love babies. <laughs> okay. That's helpful. That's helpful. Um, I'm still a newlywed, though, so give me a few minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, you can have a few minutes. Uh, so in today's episode, I want to talk about two things. One is there are so many car seats on the market, it's almost impossible task to go through it. And that's just one baby product. Once you get to all the other products, the strollers and the back and plays and the bottles and the and the baby carriers, there's so many products to get through. It's sort of hard to, it's almost overwhelming to make decisions. And there are different features on, on the car seats that manufacturers have in market. And it's, it, I think you're going to be able to really help us break down what, what the different things are to look for when you're buying a car seat. That's uh, part one of what we're going to do. After our break, we'll come back and talk a little bit more about how to use it once you have it, proper installation of car seats and proper use of them. So let's get started by talking about features on car seats. Like if somebody's just starting to research their car seat purchase, what kind of things would they be looking for? Well, I think it's important to first explain that there's a number of different types of car seats. Uh, So most parents are facing this decision when starting to work on their baby registry. So let me just give a quick overview of the various types of car seats and which ones I think you should register for. Um, The first car seat is an infant-only car seat, um, or sometimes called a rear-facing-only car seat. Uh, And that is kind of the typical bucket that you see that moms can kind of carry in and out of the car without waking the sleeping baby and click into their stroller. Uh, So that's an infant car seat. After that is something called a convertible car seat. Convertible car seats go from both rear-facing to forward-facing, and most families are using a convertible car seat when their child is age one to four or five. After that, parents will often transition into a combination seat. A combination seat is a forward-facing only seat with a five-point harness system that can then be removed as the child gets bigger and used as a booster. Um, If they happen to go straight from convertible to booster seat, that's also an option, but sometimes there's an in-between seat there. So then the last kind of car seat is a booster seat. Uh, Here in California, kids have to be in a car seat of some sort until they are eight years old or at least four foot nine. Um, And the reality is a lot of kids that are 11 and 12 could really still benefit from using a booster seat. Um, And we as car seat advocates are always working to try and convince parents to help their kids get over the social stigma of still sitting in a booster seat when they're when they're past age eight. Yeah. Well, as a parent of those kids, they really <laughs> want to get out of it as soon as possible. Yes, they do. And what's really cool is, is, and I know that most of the people listening to this are still pregnant and far, far away from that, but there are some really neat, new, innovative car seats, um, booster seats like the MyFold, which actually can just fold in half and fit in your purse. I um, saw that. Yeah. So it's not even obvious to your friends that you're necessarily, if you're you know, a preteen, your friends won't necessarily know that you are using a car seat. So, so I want to get back to that in a second because mm-hmm. I saw a few innovative ideas that seem new on the marketplace. But um, just to go in the order that you started, with the infant-only rear-facing seat, is that a seat that everyone needs to start out in, or could you start in a convertible from the beginning? You could start in a convertible from the beginning. Uh, Most of the convertible car seats on the market um, will range from four or five pounds um, all the way up to, I know the Diono seat goes up to 120 pounds when being used as a booster. So you could theoretically buy one car seat for your child's entire um, life in a car seat. Mm. Um, I think that for convenience, 
convenience reasons, specifically the sleeping baby issue, um, which everybody knows how hard it is to get your baby to fall asleep and stay asleep. So if they're sleeping in that infant-only car seat, you can have the convenience of being able to take them in and out of the car without having to unbuckle them from the car seat, which will often wake them up. Yeah. So how big... Could they be and still be in there? When do they outgrow that? The infant seat, it ranges, but it's typically 20 to 40 pounds, I would say, is the very high end. But most kids are transitioning out between 9 to 15 months um, and into a convertible seat. But it's really important that uh, you kind of identify the height and weight limits on the specific car seat that you buy when you're making your decisions about whether it's time to transition or not. Are there features on that infant seat that vary from brand to brand or specific features to look for that could be helpful? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think one feature in general on car seats that you should look at is expiration dates, Um, especially if this is your first child and you're thinking about having more children in the future. Uh, And some car seats will expire after only five years and others might last you nine. Um, I think there might be even one car seat that goes up to 10 or 12 years on the market. And the reason that car seats expire, I think people are always baffled by this idea that car seats expire, is because they are built out of a foam on the inside underneath the fabric. And as that car seat sits in your vehicle, it gets really hot during the day and then it cools off Mm. at night and it gets hot and cold and hot and cold. And over time, it's expanding and contracting. And over time, that foam can actually get brittle. Uh, So you don't want to be in a car accident and have uh, an expired car seat where the foam just cracks instead of cushioning your child. Um, So I would look at the expiration dates. And because the car seats expire, don't pre-buy any further steps than what you really need. So if you're going to start with an infant seat, I would only put the infant seat on your registry. I would not also purchase a convertible, a combination, or a booster seat while you're pregnant Hmm. because you're kind of just going to be eating into those years toward your expiration when you're not using it. Plus, cool new models might come out. Exactly. Well, and the other reason that they expire is because there's so many new safety regulations always coming on the market. And you want to, I mean, the car seat manufacturers obviously want you to buy a new car seat but they want you to have the safest one that meets current regulation. I guess that's important too. I mean, if you're getting a hand-me-down or, or something like that to look at the uh, expiration Absolutely. because it might be closer past. Absolutely. And you also want to make sure that if you are getting a hand-me-down car seat, that you're getting it from someone you know and trust and that it has never been in a car accident. Uh, car seats um, almost can never be reused after being in a car accident. Uh, and it's really nice. Some states like California do... Um, have regulations where the insurance company has to reimburse you for a new car seat after you've been in an accident. Yeah. Um, zero cost out of your pocket. Yeah, or sometimes four if you, yeah, have, if a you have a bunch of kids, kids <laughs> like we do. Uh, okay, that's good news. And then also, there's I did see at a recent baby show a, a infant seat with uh, wheels that drop down. Yeah, it's really cool. It's called the Duna, D-O-O-N-A. And it is a really neat innovation uh, in our industry. And it's effectively an infant car seat slash stroller. So instead of having to snap that infant seat into a you know snap-and-go stroller base or a travel system, uh, you just unclick this lever and the wheels fall down off the back and you can just stroll with it right away. Uh, so I love it. It is um, a slightly higher price point than what you'll see for a lot of other infant seats. And it's also pretty heavy. So I think there are some trade-offs. Like it's kind of a, a neat feature, but it's not for every family. 
Uh, some of the other features, though, that I think people might want to look for in an infant seat um, are some safety features that are kind of coming over from Europe that are starting to become more popular here in the United States. Uh, one of those is called an anti-rebound bar, uh, which you will see on a lot of rear-facing car seats. And effectively what it does is if you're in a car accident, um, that car seat is going to move, kind of ride the wave of the crash. And especially with a small baby, you want it to cushion the baby's head. Um, and I know, Dr. Berlin, you know all, all about, about the baby's spine. <laughs> all about the baby's spine. Uh, you want it to be fully supported, especially because you don't want their head flopping around too much when they have that tiny little airway and no head control. Um, so the rebound bar actually prevents the car seat from moving as much when it rebounds backwards towards the back of the vehicle. So that's a great feature that some new brands are coming out with. So did you see that on the infant seat and the convertible? You'll see so it on infant and convertible. So I know the um, new Britax car seats have anti-rebound bars on them. Yeah, I saw and them Kleck at the baby show. Well. They mm-hmm. looked really cool. They're really, really neat. Um, and then there's another one called a load leg. Um, and it kind of helps stabilize the car seat. Um, same sort of uh, thing. It's helping minimize rotation in an accident. Um, and you'll see those load legs a lot in Europe. And just now coming out here in the United States, the Nuna Pippa uh, is probably the most popular car seat with a uh, with a load leg on it. Great, and they do range in in weight, like not how how big the baby can be, but how much they actually weigh. Absolutely, which is a consideration too. I think some of them, if you're a bigger person and you can carry your heavier weights, the benefits of those heavier infant seats might not definitely outweigh the heaviness for you. Absolutely. But if you're smaller or have a harder time carrying heavier weight, then it's something to consider. Yeah, actually, um, at one of the baby shows uh, I was at recently, they announced the Nuna Pippa Light, which is a car seat that only weighs five pounds, and I could actually lift it with one finger. Wow. So it had no baby in it, but still, it's light enough you can lift it with one finger. So if if you're more petite, um, that's cool to check out. And I don't know, Dr. Berlin, if you saw the viral video last year of the chiropractor Practor actually showing kind of a nifty way to pick up the car seat um, oh, using yeah. your bicep, but I would uh, maybe we can put a link to that. Oh yeah, we well, definitely link to it. Yeah. <laughs> so then in convertibles, how how do things change? So you're saying wait till your baby's maybe six or nine months old before you even buy the convertible. Exactly. I would wait until your baby is about to outgrow that infant seat. So the first thing is that they don't necessarily outgrow them right away. Uh, they the, the strap height can be adjusted to kind of grow with your child. So the first step is that most infant car seats will come with an infant insert, um, which you might need if you have a low birth weight baby. Um, or if, uh, just, just if you have a small child, I know like the Kiko car seat only allows you to use that infant insert until the baby is 11 pounds. Mm. Um, and what it does is it kind of sits behind the baby in the car seat and pushes their whole body forward towards the crotch buckle. Um, because if there's a big gap between the baby and the buckles, then in an accident, first the child's going to slide forward and impact with that buckle. Right. It before, becomes a hazard. Yeah, exactly. So you want to kind of fill that space and the infant insert will help do do that. Um, And then as your child grows, you want to adjust those harnesses. So another feature that you will see on car seats these days is a no rethread harness. And what that means is that instead of having kind of flip the car seat over and try to feed straps through tiny holes and um, route them and make sure they don't get twisted. Oh, yeah. And, yeah it, it's they, daunting. Because really that's what I did with my car seats. 
<laughs> so yeah, I mean, we have people all the time um, because my business tot squad not only helps people install car seats, but we also clean them. Uh, people will actually take apart their car seat on their own, try to clean it, and then they can't get it back together. Yeah, um, I've had that problem. Yeah, so they just come, they've got everything in a big pile, and they're like, please just help me. Like, it's a safety device, it, and it's complicated. And if you don't put it together the right way, it's not going to serve its safety purpose. Exactly. So I, I definitely recommend watch YouTube or take before photos before you take your car seat apart, um, or perhaps consider getting a car seat that has a no rethread harness, which means it just kind of has a little lever that you can lift up and down and slide oh, so that it adjusts to the child's height um, as the baby grows. Oh, that's so smart. Mm-hmm. So the no rethread harness would have helped me a lot. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> And then the convertibles, you said they have a big range. You can put them in, um, you can put them in as infants, even mm-hmm. if you don't want to, that feature of being able to click it in and out of a base in your car. Correct. Um, and then it goes all the way up to, you said maybe 120 pounds on some of them. Yeah. I think convertible car seats can be really intimidating for parents because they have so many more features that it's confusing which ones you're supposed to use when. When, yeah. <laughs> so on a convertible car seat, um, when it's rear facing, uh, you have to kind of get it set up in a certain setting. Um, and then when you flip it forward facing, you kind of have to adjust a couple of other things in the way you fit your child into it is also different. So um, I I highly recommend that all new parents consult an expert um, when trying to use their car seat for the first time. Uh, and whether that be a, a fireman or a policeman or someone at the hospital, there is a certification called Child Passenger Safety Technician. Which you have. Um, which I have. There are about 40,000 individuals in the United States that have this certification. And you can find the one closest to you at safercar.gov. Oh, that's um, helpful. Yeah. So and at Tot Squad, we just call it a safety school appointment. Um, um, so it's 30 to 30 minutes to an hour, and we will kind of help fit your car seat um, to your vehicle and help you learn how to use it so that you can feel really confident. Um, it's amazing how many people FaceTime me and send photos from the hospital <laughs> after they've delivered saying, I had pregnancy brain. I forgot everything that you taught me. Um, is the baby properly situated oh, in the car seat? pictures. That's great. <laughs> Modern technology. Yeah, I mean, what did we do before that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, the convertible car seats, we have those also, and, and it is. You you look at the instructions, and they, are, they can be very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I often joke that, especially with a statistic, that as many as 90% of car seats are incorrectly used, which came out of a study from Seattle. Uh, a hospital actually had someone check, you know, how many people were leaving the hospital with their cu- child correctly in the car seat and with the car seat correctly installed, and they found nine out of ten um, were not were not installed properly. Correct. That's amazing. Um, or the parent didn't have the child harnessed correctly in the car seat. But right, so, that's two separate things, and we'll talk about more after the break. One is getting the car seat in properly, and then getting the child into it. Exactly, and properly. so one of those two misuses uh, is very common, and that's why the st- statistic is so high. So I. Have and say even the Stanford dads get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's why I think it's really important that dads, this is the one instruction manual you really have to read. Yeah. Um, don't do like you did with the home theater system and just try to figure it out. Um, take the time to really understand all the features of your car seat. And never um, really got easier over time either because, you know, we, we had four kids and you, the technology changed a little bit in the devices themselves, but it never felt to me like this is straightforward and easy. Every time, it's like doing a puzzle. It really is. And and I think 
people often ask me is, uh, you know, what specific brand of car seat do I recommend? Um, or is a more expensive car seat better than a less expensive car seat? And I think it's important to let everyone know that NHTSA, which is the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, NHTSA, uh, NHTSA requires that all car seats pass um, a crash test. And they have all passed the exact same safety standards. So any car seat that you get new in a box, again, not knowing what you're going to get if you get a hand-me-down, but any new car seat that you buy is going to be safe for your child. Um, And yes, there are various safety features, like I mentioned, those load legs and anti-rebound bars, and some car seat brands that are now even offering what they call side impact protection. the reality is a lot of those things are just, um, I hate to say just, but they're marketing tactics. And while that certain brand may have done testing to show that their protection was better than the next guy, it hasn't necessarily been independently verified mm-hmm. um, by you know government agencies. So I wouldn't read too much into the marketing that you see on the car seat. Any car seat that you get is going to be safe for your child. And the rule of thumb that we learn as CPSTs is that the best car seat for you is the car seat that fits your vehicle, that fits your child, and that you can use correctly every single time. And I think that's really important. I want to repeat it. It's the car seat that fits your vehicle, fits your child, and that you can use correctly every single time. Uh, Because the reality is if you have a two-seater sports car or a pickup truck, uh, you might be in a different situation than somebody with a minivan with multiple captain's chairs. And it's great that so many baby stores now will actually allow you to take one of their floor models out to your car and play around with it before you make the purchase. Yeah, those are three key points. And um, for me, the third one is is almost you only know if you if you play with it, if you try mm-hmm. it. I mean, all of them, really. Yeah, if you take it to your car and see, does it fit? Your child is going to grow over time. So that's why you got to switch car seats that's sometimes, or so adjust the one you've got. Car seats, but <laughs> uh, but whether it fits your car and whether you can use it properly over time, uh, that's going to vary from from car to car and person to person. Mm-hmm. Um, the combination seat, the forward only mm-hmm. seat. What's the benefit of getting that over sticking out in a uh, convertible, other than uh, easy instructions? I think that sometimes they have higher height and weight limits on the combination seats, whereas a lot of the convertible seats um, are, you know, I I gave the example of the Diono because it really does go up to 120 pounds in booster mode, but not all of them do. And so a combination seat that can be used both forward facing and as a booster, um, it'll allow your child to ride in that five point harness for even longer. So if you think about race car drivers, they ride around in a five-point harness. Um, And I guess just to explain what that is, if you think of a lap belt, a lap belt is a two-point harness, right? Mm -hmm. Because it just clicks on either one of your hips. And a seatbelt that we adults use is a three-point harness because it covers one shoulder and two hips. And so the five-point harness that a child is using is actually connecting to the car seat right at the two shoulders, at the crotch and then at the two hips. So oh, that's wow. a five-point harness. And everyone, including us, would be safer if we all rode around in five-point harnesses because it helps distribute the forces from a crash over a larger area. I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> you can get your uh, get your race car my, uh, yeah, seatbelt installed. Yeah, my race installed. car harness. And not only that, it's even cool because it's race car drivers do it. Exactly. Well, and it's funny. Um, you know, 
riding rear-facing is also five times safer than riding forward-facing um, for adults and for children. So, Except in, for the driver. Except for the driver, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So I was like, if we could all ride backwards, we'd be safer too. So in Sweden, oh. children rear-face until um, age five a lot of the time. So here in the U.S., we call that extended rear-facing because the American Academy of Pediatricians actually uh, recommends that children stay rear-facing until at least age two mm. or until they outgrow the height or weight limits for rear-facing on their car seat. Um, and it's great. Some states like California have now passed laws requiring that the child stay rear-facing until age two. And we see a lot of parents asking, has my child outgrown their car seat because his or her legs are kicking the back seat and they don't look comfortable? And I think we just have to remember that, and you, I'm sure Dr. Berlin can attest to this, little babies, their hips aren't fully fused. Like their mm-hmm. bones are a lot more limber. Um, their their bodies are more limber than ours are. So they can sit crisscross applesauce or froggy style um, or with their legs kicked up on the back seat a lot more comfortably than you or I could. So we don't necessarily want to compare what their comfort level is to what ours is. And if your kid screams every time in their car seat, some kids just do that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, it's not necessarily that you have the wrong car seat or that they don't fit in it. Yeah, I think you have to know your child. And if you see that mm-hmm. they're they're complaining because they're literally uncomfortable, then it may not be a good fit anymore. Exactly. Uh, let's talk about the booster. What point do you switch over to a booster? And can we talk about the cool – I saw two things. You mentioned one, which mm-hmm. was that little travel booster that nobody even knows you're sitting on. Yep. And I think the difference is normally a booster seat lifts your child up to a mm-hmm. seatbelt. That brings the seatbelt down to your child. Exactly. Which is a really cool concept. Yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. So basically, as you described, a traditional booster, it's it's kind of like sitting on a phone book. Um, mm-hmm. what we used to say when there were phone books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it really lifts the child up because you want to make sure that the seatbelt is positioned over the top of the thighs instead of... Um, on the stomach. So you can tell a kid doesn't fit in a seatbelt very well when you see the the lap belt portion going right across their internal organs, mm. um, which is not where you want, you know, on those soft tissues yeah, exactly. um, in an accident. Uh, or you can tell that they don't fit in the seatbelt yet if the seatbelt is hitting them in the neck. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be resting right over their shoulder. So traditional booster seats will lift the child up to get the lap belt a little lower on the hips and to get that shoulder belt from hitting them, keep it from hitting them in the neck. Mm. Um, But the MyFold, for example, is really neat because it is adjusting the seatbelt to fit the child. So it kind of has like these little belt path things on the sides of it that you run the seatbelt through that adjusts it to fit your child. So um, it's a little harder to use, I think, on a day-to-day basis um, because you have to kind of route the seatbelt through that belt path um, in three places every time you use it mm-hmm. versus a traditional booster, which can kind of just sit on the vehicle seat and then um, have the regular seat. It's like automatic. Yeah. yeah. But if you got to send your kid to school and have, somebody else is going to pick them up, it'll fit right in their backpack. So Exactly. Um, we used to, or we used to switch them from car to car back. And, oh, don't forget the booster seat. Exactly. Now you just leave one in there. Exactly. No the other cool one that you might have seen is actually the inflatable car seat. Did you see that one? No, I didn't see that. So nobody 
nobody believes that this thing has passed crash tests, but it is called the Bubble Bum. And it, it it's so portable, you can travel with it anywhere you want because um, you can just deflate it <laughs> like like a pool float or something and put it in your backpack, deflate it, and no then kidding. blow it up when you get to your destination. And it has. It must have passed. It works. Exact same thing, just like a phone book. It would raise your kid up to help them fit the seatbelt better. I saw one other one that was like a harness that the kid almost wears. A vest. A vest. Uh, yeah. So the Ride Safer vest uh, is a cool feature. I, I feel like these originally started on airplanes um, to help kids fit better. Um, a lot of car seats are okay to use on the airplane, as an aside. Uh, it will have a sticker on it that says it's FAA approved. Mm. Um, so make sure you check that before you buy a seat for your child, um, for an under two, that is, because obviously you're buying a seat um, on the airplane if your kid is already over age two. But not all car seats can be used on airplanes, so make sure you check yours. All right. Uh, but do you like the vest? Oh, yeah. The vests are cool. I think very similar to the MyFold seat or the Bubble Bum, where you kind of have to route the seatbelt through these little paths. It can be a little tricky, I think, for everyday use. But if you're looking for convenience of something that's super portable, I think it's worthwhile. Yeah, they look really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, my kids are too big to try them now. Yeah. <laughs> but like I said, I want that five-point harness in my car for totally. me. Totally. All right, Jennifer, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back and talk about proper installation and use of car seats. Great. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike. Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered... Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin, and we're continuing our discussion of car seat safety with Jennifer Saxton. All right. We talked a lot about different types of car seats, and now let's talk about how to use them properly. You said your three important things on picking out the right car seat are that it fits the car, it fits the child, and that you can use it the right way every time. I will say this. When we got our first car seat, I think that's around the time the latch system was first coming Mm -hmm. out. Um, I, th- I I didn't not read the instructions. I just didn't read them as thoroughly as I should have. <laughs> and I spent a lot of time installing the car seat. I, I sort of tweaked my back installing oh, no. the car seat. Um, and I was so proud to install the car seat. Then we met somebody who does car seat installations and safety checks, mm-hmm. right? And she came over and she looked at it. And I was like, honey, you don't need this. I did it perfect. And she said... 
wow. She's like, there's a few places where you could put the car seat, but you put it in the only place where you can't put the car seat. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, really? And then she put it in, and it was amazing how it doesn't shift from side to side at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I had put mine like right in the middle because mm-hmm. I thought that's the safest place if we get hit from either side. The baby will be safe. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about how you st- how you even go about installing, uh, a, you know, starting with, let's say, the infant seat, that base mm-hmm. safely. And you can use the infant seat with a base or without a base. Correct. You can. Uh, so I guess let's first tackle where in the car you should put your car seat. Yes, thank you. Uh, so <laughs> um, I think the uh, most important thing is that it is not in front of an active airbag. So if you do have multiple children or a two-seater vehicle and you have to install a car seat in the front seat, people always ask me, is that illegal? I saw somebody riding around with a car seat in the front seat. So it's not illegal, but they do have to disengage the airbag. It's um, not illegal if you have a two-seater or it's not illegal, no, it's just, period? it's not illegal because okay. there's a lot of people with a lot of different kinds of vehicles. So you might see somebody riding around with a baby seat in the front seat. And it's legal. And it's legal. Not as, long as safe. As the, it's not as safe. The back seat is definitely safer. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, you, you have, have four to... kids and a five-seater car. What are you, you going to do? you got to put someone somewhere. Somebody's got to go somewhere. <laughs> Some those poor quadruplet moms, right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. So, That's quite a squeeze. Um, so where in the car, uh, I think the common thing that you will read all over the internet is that the backseat center is the safest place because it is the farthest from any side impact crashes. And I put a big asterisk after that. Um, it is only the safest place in the car if you can get a really good installation there. Right. And the reality is 90 plus, maybe 95% of cars do not have the latch system in the center of the back seat. That's what happened to my car. We had one on the right and one on the left, but not in the not middle. Not in the center. So I was using the left one from the right and the right one from the left, and that's totally not that safe. That is totally not safe. We see people do it all the time. <laughs> okay. I'm not the only one. <laughs> so um, I guess to address what is latch, maybe I'll start at that fundamental level. So latch stands for lower anchors and tethers for children. And uh, it's been part of the regulation since 2002 that every car seat needs to have uh, these lower anchors. Uh, And the vehicle, every vehicle since 2002 has uh, these connectors. And so if you don't know where they are in your car, you can check in your vehicle manual. I just flip to the index and look for the word child, and you'll usually find something about the latch system there. Um, Or you might see a little button or cover or zipper pocket or Velcro area kind of in the crevice between the back and um, the bottom of your vehicle seat where you'll see a little picture of a baby in a car seat that you probably never even noticed it was there. Uh, And that is where you will find these little hooks that are the lower anchors in your vehicle. So some car seats, the very, very few minority, will allow you to install in the center using those outboard seats latch as long as they're like less than 11 inches apart or something. Hmm. But I would say that's the exception, not the rule, and only do that if your vehicle and your car seat both Both explicitly allow it. I gotcha. I don't think I've ever found anybody that had that. What's interesting about these latch uh, anchors is that you would never know they're there Mm -hmm. unless you're looking for them. Unless you're a parent, right? So it's like you probably owned cars for, you know, 10, 15 years and never even noticed. Never knew they were there. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Exactly. Who knew that's hiding down there? And then on the back of the vehicle seat, you have the tether anchor. Um, And same thing. You'll find a little picture of a baby in a car seat on most of them on a little cover. Uh, But they can be easy to confuse with cargo hooks in the back of SUVs. Mm. So, again, I recommend checking your vehicle instruction manual to figure out where the tether location is. Uh, But you will not need to use that until your child is forward facing, uh, which is probably at least two years away if you haven't had your baby yet. So installing with the latch um, is a lot more straightforward, I think, 
for new parents than installing with the seatbelt is. So you basically have a choice. Um, again, there are a few very small exceptions to this rule, but generally you can only install your car seat with the seatbelt or with the latch, not both. So some of those crafty engineer dads will <laughs> think that, oh, well, I'm going to hook up the seatbelt and the latch because that's got to be safer. Like I'll know that it's Double really, safe. Exactly. Double safe. Um, but the reality is the car seat probably has not been crash tested like that. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, they can actually work against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so you only want to install with either the latch or the seatbelt. And we see so many more misuses and errors in car seat installation when parents are trying to use the Mm seatbelt, which is why I typically, I mean, most of my customers will end up with a car seat installed on the rear passenger side. And the question is why passenger, why behind the passenger, not behind the driver? And from a practical perspective... You can see your kid. Well, you can see your kid (laughs) if you get one of those backseat mirrors. Mm -hmm. Um, But you will be parked, anytime you're parked on a busy street, the passenger side is on the sidewalk side and the driver's side is in oncoming traffic. So yeah, you don't want to walk outside of your vehicle, open the door with your back to traffic. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. now you're endangering your life and your child's life um, trying to kind of open your car door into traffic. So I recommend the passenger side, unless for your parking garage is really tight on one side or carpool with your older child or whatever other factors may come into play. I think that's usually the best spot for most parents. Again, because you want to make sure that you can use your car seat correctly every time. Mm-hmm. And it's often easier for parents to do that with latch than seatbelt. Yeah, it was for us. The seatbelt, you have to thread it through just right. Mm-hmm. And well, the latch, and once this... it's anchored in there, it's not going anywhere. Definitely not. The Because uh, when... that anchor is like in the frame of the car. It is. It's like attached to the steel plates as part of the chassis um, in the vehicle. That's so, not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the seatbelt, uh, it's often the hardest day for new car seat technicians. We just had a class at our headquarters last week. And the day when you have to learn about different types of seatbelts is overwhelming for everybody who's trying to learn. But there's so many different seatbelt types and buckles and different things that I think parents can easily get very overwhelmed and confused trying Mm -hmm. to figure out their seatbelt. But majority of new vehicles are seatbelts that have a switchable retractor, which basically just means that it can either be in a locked position or an unlocked position. And whenever you're installing a car seat with a seatbelt, you want to make sure that the seatbelt is locked. And to do that, you basically pull the seatbelt out all the way until you can't pull it out any further. And then when you let go of a little bit, you'll hear a little ratchet sound, Uh like a click, 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 click. And if you can hear that and then try to pull the seatbelt back out again, it won't go. That's how you know your car seat, your seatbelt rather, is locked. So after you finish installing your car seat, you want to make sure you pull that seatbelt out all the way until you can hear that ratchet sound and know that it is locked. Um, I once did a celebrity car seat check and they had the car seat installed with a seatbelt. And the first thing I did is I just, you know, grabbed it with two fingers at the belt path to test and make sure that the car seat was installed tightly enough. Uh, I could literally pull the entire car seat oh, out wow. of the vehicle <laughs> while it was still snapped in with a seatbelt. Oh, so gosh. it wasn't going to be protecting that child very much at all right. in an accident because the entire car seat could move in and out without the seatbelt being locked. Um, you know, we do this with swaddles sometimes. We do a comedy night and we have like a few dads or partners come up and uh, do their best job with a swaddle with a little <laughs> mannequin baby inside it. Uh, and sometimes you literally just pick it up and the baby rolls right out. It's not <laughs> swaddled at all. And it's sort of funny, that, but it's it's serious at the same time because uh, because it's so important to have – the, the car seat especially installed properly and it's it's just for some reason so challenging to do 
on your own sometimes. Mm -hmm. So a lot of decisions. (laughs) I learned the hard way that it was, this is something in your case that you guys do all the time and you know all the different car seats and you know all the different cars and types of seatbelts. And um, what was helpful for me was was, uh, our car seat installer help me understand, you know, where the pitfalls were Mm -hmm. and how to do it properly. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the first time we cleaned our car seat, I felt good going to reinstall it. But I will tell you what, it was never as tight and (laughs) well-placed as when the professional did it. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, how to get that installed tight. Once you've chosen where the car car seat should get installed, um, what do you have to do next? Yeah. Um, so for an infant seat, uh, which I think, you know, is the one that most of you will be using, uh, you have two pieces to your car seat. You have that bucket carrier and then you have a car seat base. And a lot of families will choose because they have two cars, one for mom and one for dad, to get a second base to keep it in the other car. And what's really convenient is that, you know, one parent always just has the bucket and then both cars have the base installed and you can just click it in and out of whichever mm-hmm. car you happen to be using that day. So when you're installing your car seat base, the first thing you want to check is the recline. Uh, So as we talked about before the break, babies have really tiny little windpipes, and you want to make sure that their airway doesn't get blocked if their head flops forward. So particularly for infants that don't have a lot of head control, you need that car seat to be properly reclined so that their head is fully supported. And almost all infant seats have, you know, uh, some way to adjust the recline angle, whether that is a little foot that pops down when you twist a knob, or you can kind of push a button and it releases to different levels, or even a little swivel um, foot that you can kind of pivot from front to back. Uh, A new feature that you're seeing on more and more car seats is multiple recline angles where, you know, it's like numbered one through nine and you Mm. can kind of choose which recline you want. Uh, So you want to make sure that you find the recline angle in your car um, and you'll be able to tell if you have that because there will be a either a little bubble indicator that tells you you've got the correct recline or a line that is drawn on the car seat that says this line should be level to the ground mm-hmm. um, and make sure you're parked on a flat surface and not a hill yeah. <laughs> when you're testing that. Um, so you want to get the recline angle first. And then you want to make sure that you get it installed tightly enough, again, either with the latch or the seatbelt. And you can tell that if the car seat doesn't move in more than one inch in any direction. Mm -hmm. So this is really important. I see parents, um, maybe like dad came by to have the car seat installed, and then mom gets home and goes out to check it and says, this is so loose. What, What are you talking about? Are you sure you had this done correctly? And it's because they're checking the tightness in the wrong spot. So you always want to check to make sure it's installed tightly at the belt path. That's either where the seat belt goes through or where those latch connectors come out. And that's kind of at the the back of the vehicle seat. Um, If you're checking at the front, kind of like where your knees would hit if you were sitting in the Mm -hmm. seat, that side of the car seat is intentionally loose. And you can lift it up and down and move it all around. And that's because in an accident, you want it to ride the wave of the crash Mm -hmm. with your child's head. But if you test kind of 
at the other end of the car seat. Shouldn't um, move more than an inch. It shouldn't move more than one inch side to side, front to back, in any direction. Um, so that is really key. And I think for eight months pregnant moms, uh, please have someone help you because sometimes they can be really tight. Uh, I mean, really just challenging, heavy, um, and difficult to get around in there. And if you can have somebody else who's a little bit more nimble help you out, you might be better off. Great. What about when you're using it without the base? So uh, when you're using the car seat without the base, which a lot of people do in taxis um, or, you know, when riding in a different car, uh, you have to install with the seatbelt. And there's a little belt path right over the top of the baby. So first you want to harness your baby into the car seat, and then you'll route the seatbelt over the top of the bucket seat, click it in, and lock the seatbelt again. Um, and then you'll just want to check, as always, that it doesn't move more than one inch at the belt path. Same thing, even without the mm-hmm. base. And then I, I just saw last month Britax released a new car seat called the Endeavors that has a European belt path on it, uh, which actually allows you to kind of route the shoulder belt behind the baby's head. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. So it's a cool new feature that they've just brought to the U.S., which is great. When you have the chest clips, mm-hmm. is there a specific level that they're supposed to be at? Yeah. So uh, this is kind of the <laughs> the thing that draws the most Facebook ire, I would say, uh, from the car seat world. Uh, in fact, I, there was a vehicle company that recently did a TV commercial and showed the baby with the chest clip too low. And I think, you know, the rest of the world went a little wild <laughs> uh, writing nasty gram comments all over their commercial on YouTube. But uh, the chest clip should be up at the armpit level. So much like you don't want um, the seatbelt on a, a child in a booster seat to go over their soft tissue and their internal organs in their stomach. Mm-hmm. Same thing with that chest clip. You want to have it much higher up at the breastbone level. Uh, and babies have really tiny little necks, so it might feel really high to you. But that is the best place is right on top of that breastbone. As opposed to, to the position. soft tissue underneath the diaphragm. Exactly. You don't want that chest clip. And again, it's called a chest clip because it's supposed to go at the chest. But we so frequently see parents who are not getting it at the right level. Belly clip. Exactly. <laughs> it's not the belly clip. It's the chest clip. Um, and I think that goes hand in hand with the harness tightness. Um, I don't know, Dr. Berlin, if your kids have resisted. Uh, the in tension country. in there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of them. Three, one of them. three didn't mind. One was very sensitive. That's good. So with the harness tightness, um, there is a feature on every car seat, um, usually between the child's legs. You'll see a button or a little hook uh, that you can push or lift that will allow you to loosen the harness. So if you can get your child out of his or her car seat without first loosening it, it was too loose while they were riding in the car. With. You should have to loosen and tighten the harness every single time you take a child in or out. And the But the it's har- really easy yeah. to do. It's really I easy mean, to do, but so many people don't do it. Sure. But I'm just saying if you're listening, you're like, wait a second, installing is one thing, but every time I have to loosen and tighten it, the the manufacturers make it really easy to do. You just pull a little lever or push a little button. Push a little button, exactly. This is really easy to do. And what's great with the infant-only car seat is you will often put your child in the car seat inside your house. So you can get them all buckled in, and then you can just carry the child fully buckled out into the vehicle and snap them in. Um, So on the harness, I think one of the reasons the chest clip is often too low is because it hasn't been tightened enough. Uh, So people are always asking me, is this tight enough? And we use something called the pinch test. Uh, So you should, after you have tightened your child into the harness, be able to, um, you have to test 
if you are able to pinch any of that harness webbing vertically. So you don't want to pinch it side to side. It's really hard to describe. Maybe we can put a picture somewhere. But Put up and down. Yeah, you want to pinch it up and down. And if you can pinch any of that harness material, it's too loose. Yeah, if you can squeeze it together and make a loop sort of, then it's too loose. It needs to be taut. It needs to be really taut. And um, you want to make sure that the harness is at the right shoulder height for your child. Uh, so we talked a little bit about those no rethread harnesses um, or the you know kind of original way, which is car seats that have four or five slots for the harnesses. When your child is rear facing, those harness, the harness needs to come out at the shoulder level. It needs to be at or below for a rear facing child. So what that means is that the harness should come out of the car seat frame and then kind of go over your child. It has to come up it over. Exactly, kind of has to flip over it and make like a little U over their shoulder. So if you look at it and it's coming down Mm -hmm. from the frame onto the shoulder, then it's it's too too high. high. Exactly. So you don't want to move the harness up to the next slot until your child has kind of grown and their shoulder is now covering the next highest slot. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. So that's when you know it's time to move it up is once they've covered over that next little area. Or on a no rethread harness, you can kind of just slide it up and down as long as it stays below the shoulder. Um, And then what's, of course, confusing about car seats, there's a reason it's a five-day class. Once (laughs) your child is forward-facing, then you want it to be at or above their shoulders. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so that was only for rear-facing. Yeah, so only for rear-facing it has to be at or below. So again, that's why I was saying convertible car seats can be so confusing for people because there's so many different ways What practically is them. the difference? Um, well, the convertible car seat can convert from rear-facing to forward-facing. To forward-facing. But I'm saying, why do we want them lower-facing that way and higher-facing oh, the other uh, way? It's, it's just basically the way that it uh, protects your child in a crash because when you're facing backwards, you're going to kind of slide towards the front of the car as you slam on the brakes mm. um, because the kind of forward momentum of your vehicle, the child's going to keep going even as you're slamming on the brakes. So when it is kind of coming out from below their shoulder, it's keeping it in there more snug and preventing them from sliding forward uh, as but far. Then when you turn it around, you turn around then you're going to slide forward with the car. Exactly. Oh, that makes sense. Um, it's a little physics ha- for you. <laughs> yeah, but it helps to understand the logic behind it because then it helps you remember if you're doing it right or not. Exactly. Uh, what about in uh, here in sunny California? We don't have this as much, but the winter clothing, that mm-hmm. big puffy snowsuit and then going into the car seat, how does that play a role? Yeah, there's some really um, terrifying crash test videos you can see on the internet of what happens when a child wears a winter coat inside their car seat. Uh, So if you can picture it's very poofy, it's almost like air, though, that's inside of that. So while the harness might look snug in a car accident, that's almost just like empty space as if the harness were really loose. And if your harness is really loose, if you picture... um, a little baby, it can almost kind of slide off the shoulders, mm-hmm. and then the baby can become a projectile oh, and fly out of the car seat. So that is why you want the harness to be so snug right there over the shoulders to keep it properly positioned on the child. And a winter coat can just add a lot more looseness to that harness. So we recommend um, for the folks who are in cold weather climates that you put the baby in their onesie or kind of just their regular clothes harness them into the car seat, and then you can always put a blanket or something on top of them. There's even, speaking of cool new innovations, kind of these car seat jackets that are I now saw one, right? Yeah. So it's a winter coat where the puffy part comes off, 
and the police part stays on. Mm-hmm. So they, they stay warm, but there's no space. Exactly. And I even saw one that's almost looks backwards. So it's like you put your arms through it, but your arms are, you know, your harness is underneath it. Oh, so it's I, on the other side of the It's almost harness. like you're wearing your jacket backwards. Right. Um, so it's like a blanket on the front with armholes. <laughs> yeah. So pretty cool, pretty cool innovation. That's helpful. But Is there a limit to how many car seats you can put next to each other in a car? Like you mentioned the mom with twins or triplets. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would say that, uh, bless their hearts, those poor triplet moms are probably buying new cars because it can be really hard to get three across in the back seat. Is it um, safe to? It is safe if they're installed correctly. So typically what we would see for a three across situation is um, the two outer children using the latch system and then the center child using a seatbelt um, for their car seat installation. But there are a few car seat brands on the market that are more narrow intentionally for the purpose of being able to do three across. Uh, the first two that come to mind are Diono and Kleck um, versus some of the other brands where they might have a feature like really great side impact protection with these big wings and mm. cushions that you see on the side of the car seat. It just makes it wider. Yeah. So it's much harder to fit one of those car seats three across um, compared to one of the narrow ones. What about airplanes when you travel on an airplane? Um our position as CPSTs is always that it's better to have your child in a car seat than it is to hold them in your lap. Um, Those I, are the two choices that they give the airline gives you. Right. Well, I mean, you be basically for a child that's under the age of two, you can fly with them for free if they sit in your lap. Right. Our position is that it is safer to buy them a seat and put them in a car seat on the airplane. Um, then again, there's not that many crashes that happen in airplanes, so I don't think it's an unreasonable risk if you do want to hold your baby instead of paying for that extra seat. Well, but sometimes it's turbulence or mm-hmm. just other things that happen. Yeah, it's safer, and they'll probably sleep better in their car seat. Um, so, uh, it, When you do install a, a car seat into or take a car seat onto an airplane, are there specific things to look out for when you're belting it in? Yeah. I mean, you're just using a belt, uh, a lap belt only. They don't have shoulder belts on airplanes. So it's it should be relatively straightforward to identify the belt path for the car seat. Um, but I think it to be truthful, it's a little scary to check your car seat as well because you just don't know what they're doing down there um, when they're kind of throwing it in with oh, all the cargo and it's getting bounced around. Yeah. Um, so much like car seats can't be used after crashes. If it gets bounced around too much, the foam can get cracked or the car seat can be damaged. Uh, So from that perspective as well, I prefer that parents bring it on the plane with them and fly with it. All right. I've learned so much. I (laughs) sort of wish I can go back 12 years or so. and and Your kids are all safe. You don't have to feel bad. Yeah, we made it. We survived. Uh, Is there any final tip that you'd like to share? Um, I think just... Always feel free to seek the help of an expert. Car seats are one of the most complicated and scary things um, about having a child. There is a reason it's a five-day class um, to get certified as a car seat technician. You can learn CPR in four hours, but it takes five <laughs> days Good point. to learn how to fit car seats into cars. So um, don't be afraid to ask for help, uh, whether it's, uh, again, with a fireman or a policeman or someone who has that certification, um, or come visit us at Tot Squad. Yeah, so you mentioned your blog. Where 
can we find you online? Yeah, we're at totsquad.com, and we now have car seat technicians in 45 states. Wow. I know. It's exciting. So, That's um, amazing. That, Go then, you. Thank you. And we're offering stroller and car seat cleaning and stroller repairs in four markets, uh, L.A., San Diego, New York, and D.C. I bet that's just going to grow and grow. I hope so. <laughs> Jennifer Saxon, thank you so much for being here with us today. Always a pleasure. Um, and at home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, send us your suggestions to info at informedpregnancy.com and visit us online for lots more pregnancy and parenting media at informedpregnancy.com. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash.